Job chapter 28, and uh, I'd like to just read this chapter to you. Chapter 28, it's 28 verses. But before I do, let me just give you a simple outline of the chapter. Verses 1 through 11 speak of man's diligent search and the great effort that he puts forward in searching for the precious things of this world, digging down into the earth for gold and sapphires and that type of thing. All the ingenuity and skill that he uses to acquire those things. But then in verse 12 through 22... We learn that uh, man should value wisdom that way and have that much zeal for looking for wisdom, but he doesn't. And even if he did, wisdom couldn't be found that way. No effort of man and no price he can pay can give man wisdom. The reason for that is found in, in the next verses, 23 through 27. God's the one who has wisdom He's the one who has understanding. He's the one who can give wisdom. And uh, we see that clearly in his ordering of creation and his providential care of the universe that he's made. See the wisdom of God there. And then lastly, in verse 28, we see that God has graciously and mercifully instructed man on how to obtain wisdom, how to acquire wisdom. So that's kind of an overview of the chapter. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's read this chapter. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust and from rock copper is smelted. Man puts an end to darkness And to the farthest limits he searches out the rock in gloom and in the deep shadow. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. They hang and swing to and fro far from man. I think the picture there is they've sunk a shaft down into the ground looking for treasure. And there's a man swinging there in some kind of a bucket as he's going down to dig for the treasure. Um, they hang and swing to and fro far from men. The earth, from it comes food, and underneath it is turned up as, as fire. Its rocks are the source of sapphires, and its dust contains gold. The path no bird of prey knows, nor has the falcon eye caught sight of it. In other words, uh, the uh, swift bird, the, the sharp eye of the falcon, they, they don't get down into this, uh, the deeps like uh, man is doing. The proud beasts have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. Even something as powerful as a lion can't get down there and get these things. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the base. He hews out channels through the rocks, and his eye... And his eye sees anything precious, talking about man, seeing these things that even the falcon or the the lion can't get down to. He dams up the streams from flowing, 
and what is hidden he brings out to the light. I think that's maybe referring to the fact that a lot of times <clears throat> when you're digging down in the ground, you have to deal with the water that comes in. You have to uh, siphon it off somehow so that you can dig deeper. So that's the first part, talking about the ingenuity and the, the zeal of man to tra- dig up treasure in the earth. <clears throat> but, verse 12, but where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. So even if you could get down to the bottom of the ocean, you're not going to find wisdom there. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned, and the acquisition of, of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Where, then, does wisdom come from, and where is the place of understanding? Thus it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death say, With our eyes we have heard we have heard a report of it. So, again, just that uh, you could, if you had, if you took all the gold you found in the mine, you still wouldn't be able to get any wisdom from that. But here's, here's the next big section. God understands its way, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the sun. God's got a picture of everything. I'm, not just a picture, he's the one who created it, he's the one who uh, shaped it the way it is, he's the one who's sustaining it. He sees everything under the heavens. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared, he established it and also searched it out. And to man he said, Behold, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. So, a picture here of what man, in one way or another, spends his life doing, and yet what he should be spending his life doing, uh, searching for the wisdom that God has. And we certainly live in a day and age when people have acquired more wisdom on how to dig in the ground than they had back then. And we've acquired a lot more wisdom in a lot of areas, a lot more knowledge in a lot of areas, but less wisdom. More knowledge, less wisdom. Uh, What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge has to do with the acquisition of information. Wisdom has to do with the ability to understand and perceive the best course of action. It has to do with the power of right judgment. There's a big difference, you see, between the acquisition of information and the power of right 
judgment because there's a moral quality. Wisdom in the Bible always has a moral quality. And so if you just think about that, uh, wisdom being the power of right judgment, knowing the right and perfect action in every situation. Well, uh, that's why only God has wisdom. Um, and if we're going to have any, we're going to have to get it from God. Knowing the right and perfect action in every situation. Now, man, just by virtue of being made in the image of God, uh, has been given the capacity for what you might call innate knowledge. He has the capacity to inquire a, a lot of information. But since the fall, the capacity to acquire wisdom has been lost. We need to, we need to have God renew us, renew our minds, give us a new heart if we're going to acquire wisdom. Um, man has learned more and more about the earth and about life on earth, but he's actually more and more, uh, well, I should say he's actually less and less wise. And the, uh, I want to say just a word related to education here. I know, um, Many of you are in college. Some of you are thinking about going to college. Some of us, some of us have been in college. All of us probably have uh, had some education. And education can be a good thing uh, because we can learn things that help us in life. But I also want to say that it's possible to be educated into foolishness. Uh, just picking on the college students here for a minute. Uh, what we're talking about here is the fact that college will not impart wisdom because wisdom is tied very closely to righteousness and godliness. And it comes from God. And if the college system leaves God out, they're leaving real wisdom out. Now, not all colleges are like that, but generally speaking, a secular university is going to leave God out. And the fact is, if you embrace some of the predominant teaching of the modern secular university, you will leave that institution of higher learning being more stupid than when you went in. That's just the truth you'll end up more stupid. I was going to write a tract one, one time entitled How to Become Stupid in College. <laughs> my daughter Amy thought it was a good idea and my wife <laughs> thought that might be a little too caustic. <clears throat> but uh, I don't know if I've read this quote to you before. But I'm going to read it again. This is by a, a man, a British writer uh, named Malcolm Muggeridge. And he said this, Education, the great mumbo-jumbo and fraud of the age, purports to equip us to live 
and is prescribed as the universal remedy for everything from juvenile delinquency to premature senility. For the most part, it only serves to enlarge stupidity, inflate conceit, enhance credulity, and put those subject to it at the mercy of the brainwashers with printing, presses, radio, and television at their disposal. So that's pretty heavy duty, isn't it? Um, but or he says that for the most part it serves to enlarge stupidity. That's what I'm saying. If you embrace some of the concepts that are in, uh, presented in some of those classes, like the idea that there are no absolutes, that morality is is uh, relative, that uh, you can explain everything through natural causes. Those concepts are stupid. They're just stupid. No, there's no better way to put it. And if you embrace those, you'll be more stupid than you were before you embraced them, for sure. <clears throat> so it... Uh, it uh, enlarges stupidity, inflates conceit. Yes. Knowledge puffs up, Paul says. And there's a lot of conceit, intellectual, pride. And enhanced credulity. You'd, 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 be, you'd be more naive and less discerning by listening to some of those things. Well, uh, I, that's again, I'm, I'm not speaking against education. The fact is, any truth you learn ultimately points to God. Think about that one. If it's true, it points to God. So if you learn something in a class, it's true, some way... If that truth is rightly carried out, it'll point you to God. But, unfortunately, the situation in most secular universities are that they're going to try to stifle everything that points to God if they're aware that in, in any way that it might point toward God. Well... Um, Back to our account here. The efforts of men, the efforts they make for perishing things, should urge us to greater efforts towards the really important things, especially of wisdom. I think that's one of the burdens of the passage here. If men will, do, will hang from a basket down in the dark, hundreds of feet down in the ground in order to dig a little piece of metal or a shiny little thing out of the ground, how much more should we dig into God's word for the wisdom, the treasure that's there? <clears throat> in the ultimate sense, only God can give real wisdom, because only God is wise. Only God always knows the best course for everything, the right and perfect action in every situation. 
So if we're going to have wisdom, if that's what wisdom is, to know the right and perfect action, then we need to look to God, the one who knows the total picture. I think this is what he's saying here in these last verses uh, in the chapter. He sees everything under the heavens. He knows the, perf- he knows the total picture because he made all these things. And he controls all these things. And so if we're going to have wisdom about life, we need to look to him. People think that they can have wisdom apart from God, and this was one of the great... Now, well, that was the temptation, wasn't it? There in the garden. You can be like God, knowing good and evil. What's happened? Well, professing themselves to be wise. This is the testimony of the human race. Professing themselves to be wise, they've become fools. Solomon said in Proverbs 21:30, There is no wisdom and no understanding and no counsel against the Lord. Jeremiah said, this is in Jeremiah 8, 9, They have rejected the word of the Lord, and what kind of wisdom do they have? Well, it's a, it's a foolish wisdom. It's a mistake. It's not real wisdom. Uh, a, a false man-centered wisdom that keeps them from knowing God. Jesus talked about the fact that God didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Now, he's not talking about real wisdom there. He's talking about worldly wisdom. He hides his truth his ways from the worldly wise person and reveals it to godly babes. The babes, the the ones he's talking about there are those that would admit that they're ignorant and they need God to instruct them and they need God's wisdom. Spurgeon said, Conviction of ignorance is the doorstep to the temple of wisdom. Again, in Proverbs 4, 7, it says, The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all your acquiring, get understanding. The beginning of wisdom is I need wisdom, and I don't have it. I need to go to the, the one who does. So, again, we see in these first verses, 1 through 11, how diligent and resourceful and even brave, you might say, courageous men will be in order to acquire precious metals or minerals or gems and things like that. How did, how, I mean, they're putting their life in their hands to get these, these things of uh, silver and stones out of the ground. And so the question I think that should come to us, are, are we making comparable uh, desires or efforts in terms of digging into the wisdom that God has for us and the things that really matter. Uh, The pursuit of God and holiness and eternal things. Matthew Henry said this, Gold is sought for, but grace is neglected. And he goes on to say, Go to the miners then, thou sluggard, Consider their ways and be wise, that their courage, diligence, and consistency in seeking the wealth that perish, perish of it, perishes 
Shame us out of our slothfulness and faint-heartedness in laboring for the true riches. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold. I mean, people are spending their lives trying to acquire fortune and fame and pleasure when they should be asking, where can I get wisdom? Where can I get this thing that uh, I need so much? So where can wisdom be found? Well, that's the question that's asked there in verse 12. Where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? You can't buy it with money. It's priceless. We're told that in uh, 13. Man does not know its value. Well, he doesn't know its value because it's so valuable and they're not looking, they're not thinking about the right thing, nor is it found in the land of the living. It's undiscoverable by man on his own. That's what he's saying, I think. It's not found in the land of the living. You're not going to find it amongst other men. Again, Matthew Henry said, the caverns of the earth may be discovered, but not the councils of heaven. You're going to have to get those from God. So then, Job goes on to answer the question, where can wisdom be found? Of course, the answer, as we've already said, is it's found in God. He's the one that made this world. He's the one that made us. He's the one that made us with the capacity to have understanding, but he's also the one who can give us the capacity to have wisdom. Daniel said this in chapter 2, verse 20. He said, Wisdom and power belong to the Lord. Solomon said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in another place, uh, chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. But just to point there, the first part especially, the Lord gives wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. David says this in Psalm 19.7, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We're simple. We need understanding. And we can look to the testimony of God because it makes wise the simple. Well, what Job says in uh, these last verses and especially, I think are very important for us because we have to trust in the character of God if, if we're going to have real wisdom. He's the one who has wisdom, and we're not going to be able to figure out <clears throat> on our own why things are the way they are. And often, part of the wisdom that God shows us is just that it's not for us to know some of these things that God does, and we're going to have to trust him. We see, we see what he's done in creation we see what he's done in redemption and that should be enough for us to say i can trust him in these other areas that i don't understand and i don't have wisdom in i see the wisdom of who he is and what he's done especially in christ 
we're not going to be able to understand some of God's government of the world. But we need to come to this place. Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. What's that talking about? It's talking about reverence. It's talking about awe. It's talking about just uh, bowing before the character of God and saying, that's enough. I know I can trust him. And to depart from evil is understanding. There are certain things that God has chosen not to reveal to us, and yet we know from what he has revealed that we can trust him in those areas. And we need to listen to his word, listen to what he said in the, in the scriptures, in the Bible, and turn away from the things he's told us to turn away from. And if we'll do that, we'll have the wisdom we need to make it through this life. In spite of the tears and the pain and the death that we see around us, we believe that God, the God who made us, is infinitely wise and good in what he does. And we have grounds for believing that because of what he's done for us in Christ. I uh, thought that uh, I thought I've read this to you before, but I wrote these down from somebody, and I don't remember who it was, but I thought this kind of sums up the position that we need to, to take. First of all, God is wise. And everything has a purpose. Secondly, God is just, and everything has a good purpose. Thirdly, God is mysterious, and we often do not know his purpose. But fourthly, we must not let what we don't know destroy our joy and trust in God. We can rest in his sovereign wisdom and good purpose. We all, he always has a good reason for why he does what he does. And we must trust him more, and his, this is important, we must trust him more than we trust ourselves and our ability, to, our ability to figure everything out. And we can do that. It's not a blind leap, you see. To do that, it's a very rational, it's a very wise thing to do. We can do that because we've seen something of the glory of God in Christ. If you've seen something of the glory of God in Christ, we know that we can trust Him in these things that we cannot figure out why they are the way they are. We know we can trust His wisdom. <clears throat> We're told this that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, if that's correct, then we know that everything's going to be the way it should be when God's done working everything out the way he's planned it.
the way wisdom has purposed everything to go, it's going to be good and right. And I also like that verse out of Colossians because it talks about the treasures, the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are found in Christ. So going back to this section in in Job, where do we mine for wisdom and knowledge? We dig it by digging deeper into Christ learning more of who he is and what he's done. That's, that's where we can mine real wisdom. And we should be as diligent, we should be more diligent than the person looking for silver or gold down in the ground as we dig in to the knowledge of God as revealed to us in Christ. That's where the real treasure will be found. Well, maybe I'll just sum up. Finding wisdom takes diligent effort, like searching for buried treasure. But you're not going to find it unless you look in the right place, and the right place is God, as he's revealed himself to us in Christ. That's where you'll find wisdom. Those who have and do the will of God are the really wise people. Those who have the the scriptures, the word of God, but it's more than just having them, it's doing them. You remember what Jesus said there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount? Um, I'll just read it to you in Matthew chapter 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So hearing these words, what Christ has told us, and acting upon them, that's the key to being a wise man.